Ameen. Ameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. Assalamu alaikum, my dear brothers and sisters. And once again, Ramadan Mubarak. This is your brother Abdul Mutakir Muhammad. Thanking Allah for allowing us once again to partake in this beautiful fast of Ramadan. Let me thank each and every one of you for coming on the line with us this morning and enjoying us on the Ramadan Umar Reflect. And we pray that our time together will be beneficial in your and my growth and development as believers in Allah. Oh, brothers and sisters, we were blessed to hear from our beautiful sister yesterday, this sister Latifa Muhammad, who began to talk on the challenges of raise or establishing Islam in the East and the challenges of establishing Islam in the West and how Islam in the West was established through following the sunnah of the prophet, peace be upon him. Her words were, was direct and poignant and so beautiful. Brothers and sisters, we thank Allah for our, the words of our sister, Sister Latifa yesterday. We thank Allah for our guest speaker today. We prepared a beautiful program for you and to take us further into our program is our beloved brother and friend, Abdul Akbar Muhammad. Brother Akbar. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger and servant. I want to greet you, Ramadan Mubarak, another day of Ramadan, another day of fasting. I thank Allah that he has given us life, that we can go and do our work as Muslims. Uh, I have a few short stories today, but they're involved in the movement of the nation of Islam in the West. Uh, when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad left us, uh, Rabatah, in, based in Mecca, uh, knew that the real movement of Muslims in America was the nation of Islam, and it impacted every aspect of the society, those who were Muslim and not Muslims. Sister Nisa mentioned that the count yesterday was 25,000 on the uh, pods, 25,000 people around the world listening to this broadcast. And it is so important that you understand the impact of that many people listening for the, voice, for the voices from America. I thank those who are in the staff and who are working on this hard. I talked to a, a brother, Bob Law, a friend of the minister. Uh, he's the one at Madison Square Garden, those who saw that tape who said that you better not lay a hand on this brother. Bob Law and a man named Gil Noble were like close companions of the minister and the nation. They looked for the nation. And uh, in New York, when the change came, it was Gil Noble and Bob Law who helped to put together a short documentary on the work that was being done in the city of New York by Minister Farrakhan and the impact that it made. 
So these brothers came from Saudi Arabia. They were all from the Sudan. And um, they came from Saudi Arabia to see for themselves what was this shaking and rattling in America centered around Islam. It was the nation. Um, Gil Noble told me one day that he crossed the other side of the street. Malcolm was speaking on 7th Avenue and 125th Street at the weekly rallies. That were tremendous rallies talking about the plight of black men and women in America. And <laughs> Gil Noble said, uh, brother, when I got to that corner, I went on the other side. That's how afraid I was of the message that was being delivered. And later he became a loyal brother and friend. He put the minister on television in New York on his show, like it is. And uh, when he left us, when Allah took him, the minister was there to say words at his grave site. So these are lessons from history that we see all the time. When the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was with us, he was invited to attend a conference in Casablanca. He could not make it. And as circumstances go, it ended up that uh, Minister Farrakhan would uh, attend this conference. And uh, they made provisions for Minister Farrakhan to leave America. I can't give all of the details. I would need a whole day for that. But he left America, and he went to London, Paris first, then London. And... Uh, he, from London, he went to Uganda, and it was an unbelievable trip to Uganda. There was a man named Bob Osley. They called him British Bob, and he took us, I mean, assigned him to take us on a helicopter ride around Lake Victoria, as it was called then, and uh, show him the beauty of this land. And I'll never forget his words in that helicopter with the minister and I. He said that who wants to go back to the rock? He was from Britain after looking at this beauty. He was talking about the beauty of Uganda. The minister traveled all over the country, and the beauty of Uganda it was like unbelievable. If I had to live in any other country in Africa besides Ghana, it would probably be Uganda. And after our trip around the country, we went north, we went south, um, we met with the different groups, and many people in the West did not know that Idi Amin was a Muslim. They never said that to you. You just said he was this big, uh, dumb general in Uganda, and his name was Idi Amin, but he was a Muslim. And he did what a Muslim should do, help the people uh, do good things for the children in the schools. He took Minister Farrakhan and I even to the prison. He wanted us to see how the brothers and sisters who were incarcerated were treated in this country and not what the West had said. And so after we finished the tour, we were leaving Uganda, and we went to Entebbe, which is the airport. Uh, the capital is Kampala, but the planes leave from Entebbe. And in that meeting, the minister told President Amin he wanted to have some words with him. And the minister told President Amin uh, that there was a group in America, um, Alex Haley, James Baldwin, they wanted to do the script on Malcolm. And they wanted to ask the minister straight up, would he play Malcolm? And the minister told them, 
he would consider it if they leave the Honorable Elijah Muhammad intact. In other words, don't do Malcolm and attack the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And uh, so we left it, left him. But he said to us before he left, I don't have the money to help you. We're doing some things in Uganda now. But I have a brother who I believe could help. He picked up the phone and he called Muammar Gaddafi and asked Muammar Gaddafi, would he see this brother from America? The minister's reputation had spread all across Africa, no doubt. And uh, Gaddafi agreed, and we left Uganda and took a flight that he provided for us to Libya. And uh, we were supposed to go to our hotel rest the next morning. We had a certain time to be in the lobby for them to take us to the airport, and our driver was late and we miss that opportunity. The beautiful thing about it is that the minister uh, was wrestling with show business or my work as a liberation struggler, uh, enlightening people. And I know he wrestled with it. I watched him and he stood at that Cairo airport when all of the heads of states were coming in. And to my surprise, the people in Africa and different countries that were there had heard the minister, heard of him, but also heard his reputation for a strong defender of the struggle. I asked the minister one day, I said, Brother Minister, why is it that the Palestinians seem to love you so much? You know, you haven't been there and done things for him, but the Palestinian loved the voice that he raised up in their defense and the pain that they were going through. And so... The minister, we missed that flight. And if we had have gotten that flight and went with Brother Gaddafi um, and he granted the money, we may not be where we are right now. We did not get the money or the help to make the film for Brother Gaddafi, and the minister went on with a tremendous schedule and a tremendous amount of work. My last point I wanted to make, those of us who were pulled out of the grave by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and his powerful ministers across the country, they were pulled out of the grave, and they were grateful, and they wanted to know everything that they could do to help the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in his mission and also continue to pull our people out of the grave. So in this, Minister Farrakhan was able to make his trip to Africa, back to America, and continue to work. Uh, I will, if Allah gives me the time, and Nisa and the staff say, well, we're going to give you a day. Uh, I'd like to finish uh, this part of history that is so important to all of us. Uh, when Malcolm was in Beirut, he was an Arab woman who made way for him to speak at the uh, University of Beirut or the College of Beirut, American College of Beirut. They made a way because they had heard that voice going across Africa and America, and Minister Farrakhan was feeding a message. And not only did he use his music, uh, his talent, the art, but he used his everything within his soul to help the man that pulled him out of the grave, and that is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So 
I will stop there before I get a bell from my sister, Nisa. And Nisa, I want to say that you are doing an excellent job with all of the problems that come up. We solve them one by one. This is a beautiful broadcast. Uh, I am honored because the minister listens every morning. So you know when the boss is listening, you want to be careful what you say and hope that it pleases him and those who are listening with him. Thank you. May Allah bless you. Inshallah, we will see you tomorrow, another day of the Ramadan fast. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness Muhammad is his messenger. Thank you, Brother Akbar. Just to give an update for our new format as a podcast, we've had over 100,000 downloads. It's so, so, so amazing. But let me introduce our special guest this morning. She is a regular, she is a fan favorite, and just a wonderful, wonderful friend of ours, none other than Sister Usteda Aisha Prime. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Ramadan Mubarak. In the 13th juice of the Quran, subhanAllah, there are so many beautiful lessons. In fact, this is the surah that was revealed to the Prophet وسلم, right before Isra and Mi'raj. It was something that Allah revealed to the Prophet وسلم, to comfort him as well as to show him basically a brotherhood with other anbiya, a brotherhood with other prophets. So in the story that happens in the 13 jewels, it's, it's about, it finds us right in the middle of Surah to Yusuf. And in Surah to Yusuf, it's right at the moment after, subhanAllah, his brothers have, of course, caused him great harm. In addition to, he's, he's been betrayed deeply by his brothers in a very gangster way, to be honest. Like, basically, his brothers plot against him. Initially, they want to kill him. And then there's one uh, brother who actually tries to convince him and says, you know what, I don't think we should kill him. Our father would just never, ever forgive us. And Allah might never forgive us. And so they decide to throw him down a well, right? And subhanAllah, as it would happen, is that someone actually comes and find Yusuf in the depth of that well. Normally, even in the the well that he was in, it was a salty well. So normally, that it wouldn't have, you know, people actually knew not to come to that particular well, which is why the older brother, who was most, who was feeling most jealous, uh, as well as just having, you know, a deep sense of aggression toward Yusuf, I mean, he said, um, wanted to throw him in that salty well, because he felt like then he would be forgotten and no one would ever come to find him in hopes that he would die. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have it that he would send a sandstorm and with that sandstorm that a, a particular group would have lost their way, right? They actually had to come a different way and ended up coming to that well. And Allah Azawajal actually made that well sweet with water. So when they pulled it up, they found Yusuf alayhi but that wasn't the end, subhanAllah. We would think that, okay, alhamdulillah, you know, his brothers betrayed him, but he's found. In that moment, then, they capture him. He's eventually sold into slavery. He's then sold, subhanAllah, to a great king. But even in growing up in, you know, seemingly uh, in a wealthy household where the king actually loved him and wanted to take great care of him, but... 
there's a constant watch over Yusuf, there's a constant, uh, you know, eye upon him, looking at him in a suspicious way, looking at him as if he doesn't belong in this particular, this place of greatness, that he doesn't belong uh, with the royalty, thinking that he comes, you know, actually from a low place because he's sold into slavery, sound familiar? Thinking that because he's sold into slavery that, you know, he's he's actually not of noble birth or that he doesn't have value, he doesn't have high status in the eyes of Allah. But in reality, right, Allah Azawajal is actually veiling who he is, right, as he's literally putting Yusuf on a track. Well, Yusuf is then, subhanAllah, attempted to be seduced by Zulaikha, but he maintains his chastity. He maintains his piety. He maintains this high commitment to his relationship with Allah. He literally says, there's nothing that you could do that would corrupt my relationship between me and my Allah, subhanAllah. And so uh, Yusuf even, subhanAllah, in order to save the reputation, of the royalty we're protecting, he ends up in prison, right? And when he ends up in prison, he stays there for a number of years. And during those years, it almost feels like it has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgotten me. Is the promise that Allah placed on my life, has it been changed? Is, you know, there's this feeling of like, am I being punished? Have I, you know, has Allah changed his mind about me? But subhanAllah, what happens is that at, toward the end of the juice, what we find is, a, is a, not just uh, a redemption, and I'm going to talk about that, is because Yusuf never loses his commitment to actually being someone who is concerned even for the welfare of people, even those people who actually want to plot against him, right? And so the Prophet, sallam, he says, the best of you, or actually one who has good character, is the one who gives to the one that's stingy to them, who actually is forgiving of the one who has oppressed them and is generous to the one who has been stingy to them. SubhanAllah. So from this, what we understand, even in those, those moments where, you know, trying to obey the Prophet وسلم, in terms of what is good character, Yusuf السلام, is the exemplar of that. He's steady concerned about the soul, about the state, about the affair, the spiritual affair, and of, of those who actually have wronged him. He's actually concerned about, uh, you know, what is their, where do they stand with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even he's generous with his spirit, with his time, with his energy, even though they've been stingy to him. SubhanAllah. And so... With this, and that toward the end of the life of Yusuf, once he's freed from prison, and he is now actually restored to a high status, he goes from being, you know, the one who is responsible or over what's considered the, the governmental storehouses. But Allah has raised his rank. Right? First, it was just teaching him of dreams, and this is something that he's often visited by angels, by people of righteousness. Right? He's been prepared that he is an inheritor. He's of the, the, those who are the warithin and anbiya, the inheritors of the prophets. He has a rich inheritance from a spiritual standpoint. He's, you know, 
his his inheritance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something quite valuable, but that's been hidden. And so in this moment where Allah has said, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't changed my mind about you. I haven't, uh, just as, that Allah says, I have never retracted the rope that I've extended to you, that sometimes the hardships that you go through are about preparing you for the greatness of who you're about to become. It's about preparing you for the greatness of your mission. And so when Yusuf is finally released from the prison of his circumstances, right? There is that, that that prison, but then, you know, previously having been sold into slavery and, and all, you know, being distant from his father who he loved so much and who loved him so much, Yaqub is that he had been imprisoned through all of that time, imprisoned by the jealousy and the hatred of his family, of his own family, that when Allah removes that, right, and opens the doors and places him in a position of high status, first as, you know, basically the minister over agriculture and then as the wazir, Yusuf doesn't lose his commitment. He hasn't become bitter against those who actually wished him great harm. There's, basically, he's saying, there's nothing you could do that would corrupt my heart because my heart is for Allah, right? That my soul is for Allah. And so there's nothing that the creation could do in order to corrupt who I am. I'm not going to give them that that power over me. They're not, they're not worthy of that much power over me. But then when Yusuf finally meets with his brothers again, and, you know, it's revealed who he is, he has that moment. He has the power to be able to enact revenge upon them. But instead, he, he gives them, he extends uh, forgiveness. And he extends to them, you know, mercy and blames Shaitan for their behavior. Say, I, I know that it wasn't you. I know that you were negatively influenced. Right? He could have blamed them. He could have said, no, you've got to take responsibility for what you've done. But he said, you know what? It doesn't even matter. Because who Allah created me to be, I accept his divine decree over the circumstances that brought me to this moment and who has made me this man. And so, subhanAllah, the forgiveness that he has for his brothers actually leads to their redemption, that they are then able to repent, recognizing how long they have been imprisoned from their own lives, that they have been imprisoned for their own jealousy, for their own hatred, and that everything that they plotted for, they actually never received, thinking that if they, you know, manipulated the circumstances, if they, you know, were aggressive toward him, that if they plotted against him, that they would be able to turn the table of fate, that they would be able to turn the attention in their favor. But in reality, it gave them the opposite. When they recognize that the, when the favor of Allah shines upon you, there's nothing and no one that can take that away. And there's no circumstance that would take that away as long as we remain steadfast. 
And so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to be amongst those who remain steadfast, that we never lose hope of the mercy of Allah, that we never despair of his opinion, his high opinion of us, that we always strive that, to maintain our own light, our own dignity, that we always strive to maintain our relationship with Allah so that we may be worthy of the positions that he intends to give us. But that may we also find it within ourselves to be forgiving so that they can have the space for redemption. May Allah Ta'ala continue to bless us in this journey through the Qur'an. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, my dear sister, Sister Aisha. Thank you for your words with us this morning and sharing with us the beautiful story of our beloved brother, Yusuf. Uh, all praises are due to Allah. We, at this time, we will ask our brother, Brother Jalil, to give us the hadith of the day, Brother Jalil. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Brother Musakar. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all of those that we gathered together this morning for the Ramadan prayer line, the Ummah Reflects. Know for certain, dear brothers and sisters, in gathering together this morning, a tremendous bounty is being bestowed on all of us. Because Allah says that if you remember him, he will remember you. And all of us need Allah to remember us. And an authentic hadith, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that when people are gathered together, the servants of Allah are gathered together to remember Allah, that angels go around recording our names, letting it be known to their Lord, letting it be known to Allah, our Lord, that there are those that have gathered together for that purpose. So don't lose sight of the fact and don't dismiss this as being some small thing. Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Alhamdulillah, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, and we seek Allah's help. And we seek Allah's help from the consequences of our bad deeds, and we seek Allah's forgiveness. We search out his forgiveness. Whomever Allah guides, no one will be able to misguide that person. Whomever Allah allows to be misguided, no one will guide that person aright. I testify that there is nothing worthy of worship but Allah. Now bear witness that Muhammad ibn Abdullah is his servant and messenger, alayhi salatu salam. The most truthful words is the book of Allah. And the best guidance comes from the Rasulullah, alayhi salatu salam. Every made-up thing in the religions are going astray, and every going astray leads to the hellfire. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. I mean. Sister Aisha Prime just spoke some very piercing words about being equitable and being just. And in accepting Islam, we were able to determine just what justice was and just what being equitable was. During the time of the Messenger of Allah's time with us, one of his wives, Hussein Salama, was perplexed over something, and she was trying to deliberate on how she how she was going to bring this to the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. And she prayed on it, and she prayed on it, and she deliberated, and she deliberated, and she finally 
found the courage to ask the message of Allah, some of love with some of this weighty question. She said, oh, dear prophet, peace and blessings be upon you. Why is it that the Quran doesn't speak in great detail about women? That doesn't seem fair. The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, took the time out to listen to what she says and proceeded to start talking about something else. He didn't even answer her. The conversation drifted on to other things. And the day ended without an answer to her question. And Solomon tells in the Hadith that a few days passed and one day she was tying her hair up and she heard the message of Allah Sallallahu with Solomon began to preach on the mosque, in the mosque, on the pulpit. And he began to talk about a revelation that he received. And it was the revelation coming from Surah 33. I don't know off the top of my head which ayat it is, but it was in Surah 33. And he said this, Indeed, the Muslim men and the Muslim women, the believing men and the believing women, the obedient men and the obedient women, the truthful men and the truthful women, the patient men and the patient women, the humble men and the humble women, the charitable men and the charitable women, the fasting men and the fasting women, the men who guard their private parts and the women who do so as well. And the women and the men who remember Allah often, and the women who do so, for them Allah has prepared forgiveness and a great reward for them all. Osama said that when she heard this, a smile came on her face, and she thanked Allah for this newfound revelation, and she thanked Allah for the Prophet ﷺ being patient with her and answering her question. May Allah bless us to see the justice found in Islam. May Allah bless us to see the equitable terms that we see throughout Islam. And may Allah bless us to be able to be of those that are just with ourselves, just with our fellow human beings, and just with our religion. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum salam, Brother Jaleel. Thank you, my brother, for the hadith of the day. We now ask our sister, Sister Nisa, to give us a fast fact in the Nisa report. Sister Nisa. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. As-salamu alaykum. Our fast fact of the day is put the Quran on repeat in your life. Many wonder why Allah repeats things over and over in the Quran. Like, Allah, don't be guided. You don't have to keep saying the same thing. For example, the phrase, and verily your Lord, he is truly the Almighty, the most merciful, is repeated eight times in Surah Al-Shura. And woe that day to the deniers of the day of resurrection is repeated ten times in Surah Al-Mursalat. 
And then which of the blessings of your Lord will you both, Jinn and men, deny? That is repeated 31 times in Surat al-Rahman. Allah, what do you want us to know with all of this repetition? Some of you may wonder, why does the Quran repeat itself? And you know, when you think about it, the first thought is, well, hey, maybe because we need to be told a thousand times to do what's right. Well, if you think that, you're on the right track. We have an ego inside of us that only wants to do what we want to do, regardless of the consequences. This thinking leaves a mess inside our minds and hearts. We need a lot to give us a wise approach that allows us to stay on the Surat al-Mustakim, the straight path. We need a way to get past lower desires and rise into the thinking of Allah. Otherwise, our false sense of security about everything, I got this, ain't nothing that's going to happen to me, I know what I'm doing. Or our dependence on instant gratification will continue to negatively impact our lives. The consistent messaging in Allah's books, the stories of the Quran do exactly that. They rescue us from our own demise. They show us another way and offer us the opportunity to become closer to our creator. Allah knows our need for reinforcement through repetition. Revelation came over a 23-year period so the verses could be understood, repeated, and remembered. Without times to recollect and regular reiteration of the Quran, that book loses its significance. Repetition allows us to internalize the verses and see how they connect with one another. The prophet, peace be upon him, said, Adam forgot, and so too will his progeny forget. Don't be of the forgetful ones. The Quran we read today is the same Quran of 1,400 years ago. The stories remind us of the importance of time to reflect and understand what God is saying. However, some want it all now and at once. But however Allah says, the disbelievers say, this is Allah Rahim, the disbelievers say, if only the Quran had been sent down to him all at once. We have sent it as such in stages. So we may strengthen your heart with it, and thus we have rebuilt it at a deliberate pace. Surah 25, Ayah 32. Dear Muslims, our fast fact of the day is put the Quran on repeat in your life. Pick it up today, pick it up tomorrow, pick it up as many times as you pick up your phone. Oh my God, can we do that? Put the Quran on repeat in your life. Blessings await. Thank you for listening. Our special guest tomorrow is comedian Preacher Moss. Don't miss it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, Sister Nisa. Thank you for the Nisa report and the fast fact. Put the Quran on repeat in our lives. We can start this morning with our reading for today, brothers and sisters, which is on day 13. You can read much of what our sister, Sister Aisha, spoke on. We start with chapter 12, verse 53, and we end chapter 14, verse 52. Surah 12, ayat 53, through surah 14, ayat 52. At this time, my brothers and sisters, we will ask our brother, Brother Shahid, to close us with prayer. Brother Shahid. Assalamu alaikum. Let us pray, dear Muslims. <clears throat> قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ 
O Allah, to you I prostrate myself, and in you I believe. To you I have submitted. My face is prostrated to the one who created it, fashioned it, and gave it hearing and sight. Blessed is Allah, the best of creators. Ameen. 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 Thank you, Brother Shahid, for your prayers with us this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, as close, we want to thank Allah for our guest speaker this morning, our sister, Sister Aisha Prime. Sister Aisha, thank you and your family and all that you're doing. On behalf of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his family, we thank Allah for you, dear minister, for what you have done and are doing. On behalf of the Executive Council and their families, we thank each and every one of you for what you are doing to help the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan spread this mighty word of Islam. On behalf of the ministers and imams and their families who are spreading this mighty word of truth throughout the country and the world. On behalf of my co-hosts, Brother Akbar, Sister Nisa, Brother Jalil, Brother Shaheed, on behalf of each and every one of you that come on these lines, let me leave you as I came to you today with the greeting words of peace. Inshallah, we'll be talking again tomorrow. As-salamu alaykum.